This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we come to you because you have, Lord, a, a prepared a word for us this morning, so we pray that we all, and uh, me included, Lord, would take to heart what you have prepared for us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, at this point, we can just picture the Lord Jesus. He's kind of reviewing in his mind. He's thinking about what he's been saying, and, and we can think, of, and he's been on the subject of offense. He's been talking about offense. He's been very, very clear I mean, he's covered this area, this one side of how important it is for us not to offend anyone. You see, this is what he said in previous verses in chapter, in this chapter, in verse 6 through 9. He says, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses for us much, as must need be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand, thy foot offend thee, cut him off, cast him from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life, halt or maim, rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. 
Then he went on to say, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye than rather than having two eyes be cast into hellfire. So he's been thinking on this side of the coin, which is well, the need that we should not offend anyone. We shouldn't do that. But now he's going to look at the other side of the coin, which is what happens when someone offends us. Now, what is that? What is that when someone offends us? Well, what we're talking about here is that when someone tells a lie to us, we've been lied to, when someone gets violent against us, when someone tells a lie about us, so they tells a lie to us, he tells a lie about us, or been violent, those are just some specific offenses which the Bible addresses in Leviticus 6, verse 2. Leviticus 6, verse 2. These are the three areas that it's talking about. Leviticus 6, 2, where it says, if a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and he lied unto his neighbor in that which was delivered for him to keep or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor or hath found that which was lost concerning it and sweareth falsely and any of those things with a man do, sitting therein. So these are common offenses. They're not all the offenses, but they're common offenses. Offense of a lie told to us, a lie told about us, a violence committed against us, an offense. And think about offense is that Offense is like a bacterial infection under the skin. It just doesn't stay stagnant. It doesn't stay still. Bacteria grow, and they grow, and they grow especially well under the skin they're where they're not exposed to the air, and they become sore and sore as they grow. And that infection under the skin, it's an abscess. It's like an offense that just grows and grows, and it gets worse and worse. And what's needed for that sore is painful. It has to be lanced. It has to be cut. It has to be exposed to the air. Painful, but it's necessary. And then after it's lanced, then the bacteria-laden pus actually comes out. Sometimes it stinks, and you say, yuck, what was that inside of me? I should have gotten that out sooner. And that's a picture of what happens when another person has offended us, and we don't deal with it directly. It just festers inside and causes more and more emotional pain in it. And as it grows, it gets ugly, it gets dirty, and they're rotten, dirty, rotten thoughts of retribution. And they start growing inside of us like a bacterial infection. We hope it goes away. We hope it goes away on its own, but it doesn't. And it keeps growing and it gets worse. It's just like a bacterial infection. And lancing is necessary. And the Lord's going to explain in this passage here how you do that. How you lance the infection of an offense. That's what he's going to address here. And after it's lanced, there's such a relief. You know, the pus comes out and so forth. It's just like when you hit your thumbnail with a hammer and then that, that space under the nail, it just fills with blood and it, oh, there's a pain that's just something. And that blood's got to get released. And I still remember today, the first time I did that, I hit my thumb with a hammer. My mom, my mother, my mom got me a job with a construction company because she told them I was over six feet tall and very muscular. They thought I was there waiting for someone else to show up. And so they hired me and I had to work on building wooden concrete forms for an elevator shaft at UCLA. And so they said, okay, now your job is you have to get up there three stories up on a six-inch wall with a fall to the back and a fall to the front. But they said, don't worry, we're going to strap you with a safety strap. So if you fall, it'll hit, you know. So, you know, obviously I'm there and trying to concentrating more on not falling off of this little six-inch ledge. 
And so, you know, I try to nail these wooden forms. Definitely not a job for a Jewish boy. I don't know. I have any idea why I was there. I was the only Jewish kid there. If anyone does. So I hit my thumb with this hammer, you know. Oh, it started to throb terribly. And I came down in pain and they said, here's a paper clip. Here's a match. You just light up this paper clip till it's red hot and then burn it through your nail, you know, to blood. Anyway, so I did that. Immediately, the pain was relieved. It was wonderful. Incidentally, I didn't stay with that job. But no, and after that experience, because later I got on the same elevator shaft up there and I was, again, worried about falling. So I ended up driving a nail straight through my hand. Don't ask me how I did that. Well, I did it. I was holding the hammer in my hand with the nails in my hand. When I swung the hammer, the nail went straight through my head. It was such pain. And anyway, and I remember I came down and I drove back home and I had to stop for gas at the mobile gas station. And I was in so much pain. I drove right into the gas pump. And anyway, so I quit that job. And I went framing houses at the top of Mulholland Canyon after that. Which, anyway, the point I'm trying to make with all this is still remember that paperclip when it reached the blood under my thumbnail, how the blood almost just seemed to squirt out, and it was an instant relief. You probably, none of you have ever had that experience. Oh, some of you have. Yeah, okay, good. You got it, okay, you got it, okay, good. Anyway, I still have a deformation on my thumb. doesn't matter. Anyway, so just a lance of an abscess, just like that hot paperclip, is necessary to relieve the pressure. Get out, and the Lord's instructing. This is what he's telling us to do. He says in verse 15, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So this is the same instruction that Jehovah Jesus gave to the children of Israel in Leviticus 19.17. Leviticus 19.17, where he said, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Now, those are very interesting instructions because he says when offense happens to us, that's the time that we need to watch our heart very carefully. We have to be on a heart watch. We have to watch our heart to not hate the offender because we're told in no uncertain terms in Leviticus 19.17, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart when an offense happens. We have to address this offense with the person who offended us. And maybe you'd be like me and you'd just say, well, I don't like conflicts. I don't like it to be confrontational. I'd rather have lunch instead. But we have to do it because we're told in no uncertain terms again in Leviticus 19.17, thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. But we have to watch our hearts very carefully to not sin. It says to not sin because of him. Because again, that verse, Leviticus 19, 17, tells us in no uncertain terms, you shall not suffer sin upon him. That means you should not let that offense cause you to sin. We have to be on a heart watch against that. We have to watch our hearts to not want to get even. You know, to, because we're told again in no uncertain terms, Leviticus 19, 17, thou shalt not avenge. That means don't get even. We have to be on a hard watch to not hold an offense against them. Say, okay, I won't get even, but I'm never going to forget. I'm going to hold a grudge. And we're told in no uncertain terms again, Leviticus 19, 17, not bear any grudge against the children of thy people. And then we have to watch ourselves, watch our heart very carefully because we're told in no uncertain terms when this happens, when a person does this to us in Leviticus 19, 17, 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That means that, that we're to envision ourselves as helping the offender, as wanting to help him to recover himself. Now, when we hear all these no uncertain terms that we're not to hate our bro, the, the offender, that we're, that, that we're to go to him directly to try to get him to recover, that we're not to let any sin to avoid sin because of him. We're not going to, we should not want to get even. We should not hold it against him and that we should love him. Those are hard. That's hard enough. That's very hard. Again, when we hear no uncertain terms that we're to love the offender, that's over the top. You see, that's over the top. And we fire back with, uh, you know, no uncertain terms. When we fire, love the offender, we fire back with says who, says who. And that's why right after all those commands in Leviticus 19, 17, especially the one that says, love your offender, and we respond with says who, that the Lord says, I'll tell you who says who. Leviticus 19, 17, it ends with, I am the Lord. So that's the says who to all these, especially, especially the last command to love in no uncertain terms. And at this level, the goal is to keep remembering he is my brother. And I need to pull him in closer to me and not push him away farther from me because he is my brother. And this is the level here of loving him and not hating him. And so this gives the context for what the Lord is saying here in that the first level of reconciliation is done privately because the goal and the very best is to not see this escalate to a higher level. But a private meeting occurs, and it's so important, and we're told to do this privately, and the Scripture is very clear about this in Proverbs 25.8, Proverbs 25.8, where it says, Go not hastily to strive, lest thou know what not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another lest he that heareth thee put thee to shame and thine infamy turn not away. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. So the first thing it says there in Proverbs 25.8, Proverbs 25.8, is it says the first instruction when we're offended is Proverbs 25.8, go not forth hastily to strive. So the command is don't do anything at first. Don't jump in. Because normally, a jump in, a go hastily, is a jumping into fight. And that's why Proverbs 25.8 says, go not forth hastily to strive, to fight. So the goal here, again, is to win over the offender, not to beat him up. And the purpose here is to love, not to teach a lesson to. And so when we feel this desire to fight, to strive, that needs to die down. That's why there needs to be a cooling down period. I mean, when you, how many of you have an instant pot? I have an instant pot. I love instant pots. You know, I'm a big promoter of instant pots. I have so many instant pots. Anyway, instant pot pressure cooker, as you know, there are two ways to let the steam out and go. One way is to release the quick release. Do you know what I'm talking about? The quick release on the top, and then you better stand back because a blast of steam is going to come shooting out. It's dangerous. As a matter of fact, I bought the little silicon thing that fits over that that shoots it away from you. Anyway. And the other way is they call it the natural way. I think they call it the natural way. And that's where it, you don't open the steam valve 
but you just let it sit there and you wait for the steam to disappear. And it does. It's amazing. It disappears on its surface. Where does that steam go? And then you can open it. And after some time, you might have to wait. Well, it depends. If you fill the whole thing up, you might have to wait an hour, you know, but normally it doesn't take that long to wait. And so when we've been offended, we're like the instant pot, you know, pressure cooker. We're full of steam. It's hot. And what Proverbs 25, 8 is saying here, not going out forthly for hastily to strive, is that when we're offended, be like the instant pot and leave it in the natural mode. And just let the steam pressure just disappear on its own. And don't touch that quick release valve there, because then words of will be spoken in anger and it's going to be trouble. So when a person has offended us, the last name we want to call him is my brother. We don't want to do that. But this is exactly the name that Christ used for the person who offended us. Because when thy brother hath offended thee, that's what the Lord wants us to see him as, my brother. He doesn't want us to fight with him. And the closer a person is, as in a brother, the more difficult it is to fight with the person. That was a problem for the War Department in World War II. In World War II, it wasn't a problem to get the Americans' soldiers to fight against the Japanese because the Japanese are so different from the Americans and they were not viewed as relatives. But there was a problem to get the American soldiers to fight against the Germans because the Germans were seen as relatives, like brothers. So the War Department started to come up with these derogatory terms like, you know, the Krauts and the Jerrys and whatever. Try to get the Americans to not see the Germans as so close as brothers. So here, though the Lord is, is pushing to not have a fight, so he wants the offender to be seen as in verse 15, verse 15, thy brother. Now, the first approach or the spirit that you and I need when we approach an offender is very important. And the position that we take with the offender is essential. And that's why in Proverbs 25, 9, Proverbs 25, 9, it says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. The correct position is a debate with, is the word that's used, debate. A debate with is not a lecture to straighten someone out. A debate is not a set the record straight. A debate is not a fight. A debate is like a back and forth, a friendly conversation. Is it where, where you try and understand why was done what was done. When Proverbs 25, 8 says, debate thy cause, with thy neighbor, it means to not come on accusing the offender with words of, you did this and you were wrong. When Proverbs 25, 8 says, debate thy cause, it means to explain in gentle terms how you feel. Something like, you know, you made me feel very sad. That made me feel very sad. Not, you made me feel sad. That made me feel disappointed. Not, you disappointed me. That made me feel wronged. Not, you wronged me. So you're simply telling thy cause, how you felt without directly, directly. Of course, there's an indirect accusation there, but it's not direct because the goal is gentle, a gentle approach because the hope is that the offender will be recovered who has fallen. And then, so important when Proverbs 25, 8, 25.8 says, discover not a secret to another. That means don't tell anyone else about what he did. Once we tell another person how we've been wrong, how he's wronged us, then what we've done is we've painted the picture of how that offender is a horrible person. And that sets that person in concrete. And our goal is for that person not to be a horrible person. So Proverbs 25, 8 emphasizes, don't tell anyone 
else about how it's offended you. And then when we're offended, what's the first thing that happens? We get angry. I mean, the hair on the back of our neck raises up, which is the result of pride. That's pride. We come to the offender in the spirit of debate where we want to hear his side of the story and we reflect on, on that. That requires humility on our part, humility. We come to the defender with a girl of wanting to see the outcome of what the Lord is saying here in verse 15, verse 15, thou hast gained thy brother. That means we're trying to help him to recover from his sin. And so to come in the spirit of humility means we're trying to, we would like to actually be a living picture for the offender to look at and to see how he should be. It takes humility for the offender to say, you know what, I was wrong and I'm sorry for what I've done. That takes humility. So the more we come to him or her in the spirit of humility, I mean ourselves being humble, the more we're trying to lay out a carpet for the offender to walk down. This is the way, not proud of, how dare you do that to me? So after instructing us to be gentle with offender, Proverbs goes on to say in Proverbs 25, 11, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. So the whole thing's all about the words. The whole thing's all about the right words to say to an offender that starts off by saying, go not forth hastily. In other words, take time to think about what you're going to say. Take time to come up with the perfect words, the right words to say. And those words that we say to a person who's offended us need to be, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken, fitly spoken. Now, in Hebrew, in this verse, Proverbs 25, 11, the word wheels appears, wheels. So really, when it says a word fitly spoken, it literally means a word upon its wheels, a word on its wheels. That means a word, the words used should glide along naturally. They should just glide along like words on a wheel that run smoothly along, as opposed to words that are not on wheels and that do not flow smoothly and have to be forced and dragged along, making deep ruts in the road as they go along. But, but words that glide along on wheels are, are not harsh words. They're not rough words that produce a shock to the hearer and, and produce a painful ruts in the memory of the hearer. But words that glide along on wheels, are they're not words of passion. They're not words of anger. They're not words of strain and violence. But words that glide along on wheels are words of calmness and gentle words. Words that glide along on wheels are polite words coming from a person who knows how to control his temper and not say things that hurt feelings or that leave a painful sting behind. Words that glide along on wheels, they just roll smoothly off the lips to the ear. Words that glide along on wheels are words that are spoken to an offender that might start with a word of praise of that offender for what is worthy to be praised. A word that glides along on wheels that's spoken to offender might start off with, you know, I really appreciate this about you, something. Or, you know, I've meant to tell you that I've admired this about you. That's a word that's on wheels. It glides along nicely. Proverbs says that to have words like that is to have 
words that, that Proverbs describes as apples of gold in pictures of silver. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.